affectionately known as Dr. Dula. And today I'm here with another birth her story conversation. Today we will be talking to Ison. Ison, did I say your name correctly? Am I almost getting it right? <laughs> yes, it's correct. Thank you. Um, she is she is just such a beautiful soul, and I watch um, I see her um, post on Instagram, and I tell you all, all the time when I see someone that really you know just kind of catches my eye, you know I really stalk them and like wait oh wow oh wow look what she wrote, and she has she has said some pretty phenomenal things, even being. Um, um, one of the things, one of the posts, I can't remember exactly what it said, but one of the posts I know that really convinced me that I really need to talk to her was the one where um, you mentioned something about um, diasporic Africans knowing their roots and things and how blessed and fortunate you felt to be able to know that. And you you just presented things in a, in a certain way that just touched my heart. Um, um, but I'll let you talk more about all of the things that make up you. Please, before we get started, would you do me a favor and would you tell these people who you are? Tell us who you are, beautiful. Okay, thank you. Um, I just wanna say I'm very happy to be here. Thank and you. Um, just in the customary way, I'd like to um, just give out a blessing in my language first. Thank you. And then I will introduce myself. So, thank you. Yana Yeshia Mahoneha Yahonati Yakushita Aliya Mahoneha. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Aisin, and um, I come from a variety of lineages, and um, mainly from Egypt and Sudan. So, on one side, I am um, an indigenous Egyptian person, and then on my other side, I am uh, Moyang, or otherwise known as Dinka, or um, uh, Kukubari as well. So I have three lineages that run through me mainly. And um, I'm sure knowing ancestry and all the different beautiful migrations that there must be many more. Um, but those are the main, main lineages that work through me at this time. And um, I like to see myself as an indigenous medicine person. Um, I was initiated actually uh, at the time of my birth to hold that torch for um, the people in my community. So it is something that I have carried with me for a long time, trying to understand where in my heart that sits with me um, and learning a lot through my ancestors, a little bit through my parents, um, not so much, but I can talk a little bit later about where some of the uh, knowledge comes from, and then um, just a lot of the growth I've had to do myself um, in terms of really coming into uh, where where I want to be with that, um, which is mainly through plant medicines and through ritual and ceremony. Oh, that's beautiful. So you said some of the some of some things you learned from your parents, but not much. Okay, so this is this is where I really want to start. Um, before we dive more into, I, I see you talking a lot about tobacco and things like that. When, um, so was it that you just, I, you know, you knew your lineage and you pursued it yourself? You mentioned being um, initiated at birth. How can you can you um, show us how that kind of came together a little bit? Um, was it that you were initiated and then not much more was done? 
and then you pursued or how was that? Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, yeah, so I was initiated and uh, at the, so at that time, um, I was only living, so I was born in Egypt, by the way. Okay. So I was born in Egypt. And then after two years of me being born, my family came over to Canada. And I wasn't given the complete details. Um, but from what I have inferred from the stories of my parents is that there was a lot of trauma that they were experiencing. Um, and also, to be fair, too, I have gone back and um, it is it's a little bit um, of a very rough climate. And uh, especially for people who are of darker ethnicity within mm -hmm. Egypt, it's a little bit more difficult. So we did come here um, to Canada when I was two. And um, so it's been very, very complex because my parents are, um, well, my mom has passed now, but at the time my parents uh, were, were very immersed in Islam. Mm -hmm. So what's interesting about these cultures from Egypt and Sudan is that there's this underlying, you know, there's the, the underlying indigenous ceremonial practices, but then overlapped with the Islam. And then it's overlapped again with um, some other colonization that happened by the yeah. English people as well. So it was interesting because you'll kind of find like that even though Islam is there, the, the indigenous practices are not, um, they're not entirely removed, right? Like yeah. people really, they don't really give up on them entirely. Although a lot of it has been altered, a lot of it has been buried, and a lot of it has been taboo. So some of the things I learned from my parents um, are basic things. Like they taught me about clearing energy. Um, okay. And they taught me about using actually which is a really interesting thing is that my father would actually use um, scriptures from the quran but in a form of energy healing so it was this really beautiful understanding that the words you use are sort of a really powerful way of of you know using incantation or, or something like that right um and then, you know, I was told stories, too, about the things that my grandmother would do um, in terms of, like, the ceremonies that she would have. A lot of them would be in secret. And um, so I was told about these things, but it wasn't necessarily transferred in a direct way. Mm -hmm. um, so where it came up for me is that I, I think a lot of my growing up anyway... Um, with my parents having gone through traumas, they have also passed down a lot of their traumas through me and my sisters. Wow. So it was not an easy or it was not, um, it, it was a hard, I would say it was a hard childhood. Okay. And um, there was a lot of, you know, things that I unfortunately have gone through some abuse and things like that. So, um, but that that you know that thing was there right the 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 desire to understand this sort of mysterious aspect of me was there um because i i grew up in a primarily white neighborhood 
and um, there was always this sort of separation. You know, my parents were very immersed in 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 the culture of Egypt and in the culture of Sudan. That okay. you know, it was very like um, I feel I feel like I I sort of grew up in in this encasement, right? That they would constantly reinforce like no matter where you are living in the world remember this is your culture yes and whoever you interact with you know you are not them and so it it was kind of um, (laughs) yeah it it was beautiful and suffocating at the same time if you can imagine this sort of paradoxical (laughs) way of existing well, okay, so so because I'm like just writing so many notes over here, and yes. it's just it's really I, I'm thinking about it um, as a diasporic African who's been much removed from her lineage, and the majority of us in the United States have been. Mm-hmm. And I'm I heard you say the mysterious aspect of me, you know, mm-hmm. the mysterious aspect of me. <laughs> I mean, I, there's something about that that's like, I'm just sitting with that as you're talking. And now you're talking about that you were taught not so much that you didn't belong in a place, but that there are differences in you and that those are okay. And it's okay to honor those differences in you. Mm-hmm. And that, I just have to say, is beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. What was that like? Like that, what does that look like? practically, because I think that, okay, so I won't generalize, but I I can say that for many of us that are seeking to reclaim any type of anything, in my case, I would say reclaiming birthrights. Um, But if we're reclaiming anything, some of us are reclaiming um, um, growing our food, our agriculture, things like that. If we're reclaiming those things and seeking to do that often one of the messages that we get or that i can speak for the united states very much so is that assimilation is key in order to survive in order to do anything so here you are um an immigrant to canada at a young age how do you do that is there knocking over there i think it's something that's knocking making sound do you have i'm looking around for some knocking or something I hear like a, a popping. Yeah, I do too. There isn't anything like. Okay, well then we'll just keep going. I'm looking here. I'm like, maybe there's something there. I have no idea what that would be. No, I think it's just I... the audio. Okay. <laughs> it's the answers. Let's go with that. I was like, well, maybe there's tapping. I'm looking at my hands. I'll go with that. I'll take that as a good thing. <laughs> So you were I was asking about how that worked out. So it it was very hard. Um, so yeah, I, I mentioned earlier it was a little bit it was beautiful, empowering, but it was also suffocating at the same time, right? Because um, imagine like because uh, I came at a very young age, right? My sisters came and they were already um, becoming teenagers. So there's this whole other experience where I really wanted to fit in and because I didn't have enough of, um, I didn't have enough of the immersion, I guess that for example, my sisters or my parents would have Mm. for me to feel like I 
I could actually own something for myself. Okay. So it was very hard. I mean, I hated my name growing up because everybody mispronounced it. Um, it was just like, I felt really weird. Like I would be bringing in weird food, you know, and my lunches at school, like things like that. Cause I mean, I, we ate cultural food all the time. Right. Um, like it was just everything. I, I just felt weird and I felt like I didn't belong. And so now I, I, I actually, I'm thankful. Right. But at the time it was very hard and, um, it wasn't easy at all because I, I felt like I couldn't relate and I didn't have many friends. But I, I think there was more, I mean, I, I don't think it's entirely cultural, right? Because I, I mentioned I did grow up with um, some abuse and things like that. So I think those things are actually more of what create disconnect rather than the fact that I was in a specific type of um, culture. How do you look back on your... Um your youth now that you have um now that you have the you know you have perspective of adulthood and oh the strange food or the this or the that how do you look at it now um i i think that i, I think that it's Oh, that's a good question. I guess I never, I don't know how I would frame it, but I mean, I, I am thankful that I went through that experience. Um, and I think that it teaches me something about pride in myself as well. I think that seeing my parents, because they could have, they could have done the assimilation thing, right? I've seen a lot of people, a lot of immigrants who do that, but they chose not to. Um, so I know as well that it was actually a really big healing arc for me to actually come to understanding who I am with pride. And I think that looking back on, on my youth, uh, there was just a lot of um, trauma that I still wasn't able to, to heal that, that stopped me from seeing the beauty in, in what there really was. Hmm. So when did it, when, when did the time come where you began to see yourself as, um, what did you call yourself? Medicine woman? Uh, yeah, a medicine woman. Yes. When did you start seeing yourself as that? Um, I think, I mean, it's, I think like, I would say officially, officially, or, or maybe it's still morphing, but I would actually say in, in very recent years, um, although I have gone through so many, um, what I feel like life initiations, oh, wow. that I would, I would feel I would have glimpses of that. Um, but then for me to finally feel the confidence enough to actually claim that, I would say just in, just in very few recent years, yeah. And so how did you start? Um, how did what was that step like for you? What was it like to say, okay, I feel pulled towards this? What was that like? You said your parents didn't really offer a lot in that regard. Was it you went back to visit Sudan or Egypt? What was that like? That process, and I call it the process of reclaiming. Yeah. 
-hmm. You know, what is what was that process of reclaiming life for you? So I think that um so I first I'd like to say like throughout as far back as I can remember, I've always felt um connected to um to spirit. Yeah. And I would have very powerful dreams and you know that just things like that that I was very interested in divination from a young age and um I went through some really interesting moments where I had like a I don't know what I would call it like maybe um like a, a nervous breakdown or something that happened when I was a teenager and then out of nowhere that's when I noticed my my father like he stepped in and he did this healing for me that I was just like taken aback because I didn't I've never experienced that from him before wow and so it was yeah it was really really huge and I actually can't even believe like I I don't even think about that moment as much until now um but it was really huge and so it was just this really powerful moment for me and then after that um I think that it, it just helped me appreciate that there are other things that that matter beyond just the physical, you know, like I could it, it sort of like grounded me in a little bit. And then I would say um, at the time where I was in my 20s and then I, I finally moved out of my house, um, that's when I started feeling like um, these plant medicines calling to me and that's the only way I can describe it like I would I would go out for walks and I would just feel like that the energy of the trees and of the grass just like beaming wow and it was so profound yeah I, I didn't know really what that meant but I just kept following it and um and then through a series of you know synchronicities I found it a teacher that I ended up working with and um, she she wasn't African, um, and she was actually working in the Karo tradition. From uh, so those are the the people that live in in Peru. Okay. In the Andes. Okay. Um, but I I found her right, and I didn't know why I went to see her. I was like I I just felt just some sort of resonance, and I said I need some sort of healing to be done. I don't know why I'm here. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah it, it was really, it was really, um, it, it was, I just didn't know, but I felt something. And she told me that she, she was there to teach me and that I would be learning from her one day and that I would be sitting in her spot. And, and it was just like, um, okay, you know, I was just sort of going with it because I was open and I didn't have any expectation. Um, so then I, I ended up working with her a lot over the next um, two to three years since I met her. Uh, and that was, I don't remember that. I think I met her in, in 20, maybe in, in 2013, I think I met her. And um, so I went through healing with her and, I, and then we, we did go through different ceremonial rites of passage. And every time I went through that, it actually just brought me closer and closer to my own ancestry. 
So that was really the beauty of it, because the more I went through it, the more I kept receiving the guidance that I can do things in my own way, right? That she's a teacher and she's showing me a path, but it's just there to, to open me into where I'm going to fit in on my own later. So that I, and then I, I feel like it was really during that time where I started recognizing that I, I do have wisdom to share and, and that, you know, the initiations going through as a child really did mean something and that I can do something with it. You know, I can bring that forth into the world. And, um, and then I really fell in love with that path. That, that is, it's so beautiful for so many reasons. Um, I love, I love, well, several things. One of the things that you said was um, talking about when you talked about your father and how when you were having your issue that he, you know, he came and he did, I forget what you called it. Um, it was a healing for you. There's so many, there's so many things that align with what I've heard other people say and with various ex experiences and even my own. Specifically, when you talk about how this woman from another place, how she taught you, as you were going through those initiations, you were drawn even closer to your own ancestry. And I know that for me, um, I have connections in South Africa. I've made family there and we were connected there. That's where our ancestors, for whatever reason, that's where they decided they said come here and we'll teach you but as i learn and i ask questions i get so much clarity about my own mm -hmm. um so much clarity about what where i should start searching for something else for more information and so i totally i, I totally see that i see that totally um mm -hmm. When it comes to the tobacco, I see you talk a lot about tobacco. Can you just say something about that? Because we talk a lot. I see you talk about different things with that. Mm -hmm. Like you're smiling. It made you smile. You're like. <laughs> it makes me smile. It's my medicine. Um, because there's such a story. I mean, so their tobacco has brought me so much healing. So let me start first by saying that um, because I live on, I live in Canada, right? So yeah. we have um, various indigenous groups that live here that have unfortunately gone through so much trauma of their own, right? Yes. Um, to this day, they're still treated very poorly. There is many communities where they don't even have clean water they don't have food. Um, they still live in shacks. Like some some communities are better than others, um, but for for a lot of Canada, there are they are living in poverty and it's disgusting. And what is what was so powerful about tobacco is that it is one of their main med medicines, right? Okay. And it was hard for me because I was very drawn to tobacco but I didn't want to 
culturally appropriate because I know how much they have struggled and I know what that feeling is like. So tobacco, I've had this sort of relationship, right? And I was also actually um, very blessed to be invited to some closed ceremonies by uh, some First Nations peoples here. It was so beautiful. Um, very lucky because they don't open it to everybody. And um, and that, that, of course, tobacco medicine is there all the time. And so I just had to sit and ask and, and I had to figure out, like, why was I so connected to this medicine? And it wasn't until I went to Egypt where I started to learn that tobacco was actually an indigenous medicine to the people of Egypt and Sudan. And uh, yeah, and that some of my people were actually tobacco farmers. And it just completely blew my mind because um, I had been doing some research, right? So a, a lot of the information um, that has come through me has either been through my ancestry, through, through the dreaming, right? And then I would be able to confirm it. I actually was confirming stories with my parents and stuff. And they would say, yeah, your you know, relative did so-and-so. Wow. So then I was building like a, um, you know, I was building like a, a stream of trust. Yes. And, and, and then, to, and so when tobacco was calling to me, I was like, oh my goodness. So anyway, I went to Egypt and I, and the way I learned about tobacco actually um, first it was through the dreaming, but then I don't remember. I somehow stumbled upon a resource, um, that I was, I found online. Somebody wrote from, I believe like there's actually, there's this really beautiful website on, uh, archives that were written during the colonialism of Sudan. And so they've made all of these resources free. They were written by missionaries and various people that were coming to settle. And, and it was all about documentation and research about the culture. And then I, I found it by accident. And I found one, one article that spoke about the significance of tobacco. And then it just like put it all together for me. I was like, oh my goodness, right? It was so beautiful. Um, wow. and then I, yeah, it was just amazing. I got to learn like, and, and this is like, not just Sudan in general, this is like actually my, my particular ancestry, the, the Moinyang people, um, as well as other people like the Nubas, etc. But it's, it was so beautiful in the way it was used, um, to, to make prayers to the Nile, to honor your medicine people to wow. honor people in death, um, to offer it to your ancestors. You smoke it to pray to spirit. And it was just like this beautiful parallel of all the things I learned about tobacco from the First Nations people or Indigenous people here in Canada. And to see that actually it's used in, in much the same way was so special because then it really taught me that the medicine itself is what's speaking, right? It's not that people are, are making things up because if you have, you know, people in, in different parts of the world, right? They're in different continents and somehow they have this exchange or, or whatever, this understanding of the medicine and the way it's used. It, it was just so beautiful and so profound. 
so it, it's and it's offered me so much healing um i use it in in ceremony all the time i i run tobacco ceremony and i just find it has this beautiful way of bringing you back into your body and um it helps you to perceive your your challenges and your traumas without reigniting them for you right like you're you're able to look at them without being re-triggered and it's just such a, a beautiful medicine that holds you and it makes me so sad because with the colonization of islam tobacco was actually seen as this horrible thing and um it was you know seen as like everything was bad right like you're not allowed to smoke it you're not allowed to you know so it, it a lot of that information was taken away right and i also grew up in a household where um my parents you know everything is like smoking and drinking is bad and you know that kind of thing of, of course you don't want to abuse the medicine it's not about that and i feel that um the tobacco industry is so abused in egypt and sudan and it, it just it's because nobody understands that you know you take something away from its ceremonial use and from its spiritual significance it no longer can feed your soul and now it turns into something that's actually um harmful for you right oh, oh my goodness wow that was such a powerful statement and particularly wow the, the statement that really stood out to me was when you said that the medicine the the plants are speaking yes that's powerful that is very powerful um it talks i think it talks of our um, interconnectedness with the environment around us mm-hmm. you know um i we have out here <clears throat> there are some people who will say you know what if you want to know um what is what what needs to be healed in your community that the plants will the you know the different weeds that we have will begin to grow and i've seen there's certain things that grow and i'm like what is that that? and it'll grow right up in the middle of our um intentional garden even you know and then there'll be this whatever and i'll look it up and it's like oh i think the last one was Indian mallow or something. It's like it's used and it's something to do with all these different things. And it's in the middle of my garden, right between like strawberries and mint and collard greens over here and carrots over here. And then there's this weed that grows up, as people would call med- much of the medicine we have is called weed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's deemed as useless um, and something that's insignificant. Can you talk more about the 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 plant speaking? Because I, I, that you know, and even when you said being taken out of its original use, so many things I think you can say that when it's taken out of its original use and ceremonial use, then it becomes the the use of it is perverted, and it beca- it can begin to harm us. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so in terms of the, the plant medicines, um, I feel that 
they they exist in this other space right um like for me and and my people we like to call them our our elders or our older siblings they're they're plant people and they're so integral to the healing of a, of a human body and of a spirit as well so you get this really beautiful way of understanding that um they're not just there for your physical well-being right they're there for your spirit as well for your emotions because we can't separate a person from from themselves right and you find this a lot in in allopathic medicine where it's all about trying to treat a symptom and so you'll get these pharmaceutical medicines made out of plants or, or sometimes made out of animals or you know whatever synthetic materials and then they're there to sort of be a blanket approach in the treatment of um, various symptoms and then some other symptom will crop up as a result of one pharmaceutical taken and then you take another medicine to suppress that and so on and so on um, but I find that the with the plant medicines it, it's more complex and it takes a lot more deeper listening. And so it's a little bit harder to approach because we're so conditioned that intuition will lead us astray, right? We're so yeah. conditioned actually that intuition doesn't even exist to begin with. And that no matter where you go, there's danger, 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 right? But if you imagine all of the plant medicines in the world and how long people have lived for generations right like yes. we cannot imagine that plants never spoke to us because otherwise there wouldn't be people here if we had to try to figure things out on our own and do trial and error a, a lot of us would be dead because there are poisonous plants but if you can oh. imagine for a moment that the plants can actually tell you how do you use me and when do you use me and and how much right there those instructions actually exist when you open yourself enough into deeper listening <laughs> and for me that was a huge part of reclaiming because then it actually helped me understand that there are ways i can align ever more deeply to myself and it was sort of through the gateway of working with plants and it just, it's so beautiful. Like I remember one of the very first plants I worked with um, was goldenrod and it was growing in abundance. And like you said, I, I do find that the plants that are just sort of cropping up out of nowhere because you need them at that time, right? Mm -hmm. So I was living by a forest and there were just fields and fields of goldenrod everywhere. So beautiful. Um, it was early September because they're like a late summer, early fall bloomer. And I remember bringing the goldenrod home and I, I washed them and I tied them up and hung them to dry outside my bedroom. And they just started like, I just felt this energy like come in and start telling me about them. And it was so like, it was just this really precious, luscious feeling just to hear them and, and they were talking about um, everything from fear to your urinary tract. <laughs> like it was just this beautiful understanding of, and then, and, and but that's the beauty because then 
um, I realized something, you know, there was, I had some sources as well. I, I believe it was a friend or someone who was telling me about how fear in, in traditional Chinese medicine, fear is connected to the kidneys. Wow. So then you get this, right? You yeah. get, so then it, it came together. I was like, okay, goldenrod, fear, you're, you're yeah. attractive. Just like, yeah, it was really special. And, and that happens all the time. It honestly happens all the time. Like if I, I go out and I feel cold and, and the plant will speak and you just have to be there to allow and, and to breathe in the moment and, and to just trust. And, you know, if you really need to find that source to confirm your findings and do it and, and it will help you build that trust, but it, it's so beautiful. Yeah. It reminds me um, of, uh, I attend a retreat with some sisters. We went to um, South Carolina where some of, uh, where, where some of the enslaved Africans were brought over during um, the transatlantic slave trade. And um, so we, we do certain things and honor the ancestors while we're there and things like that, um, certain ceremony and stuff like that. But I remember when it first occurred to me, um, the significance of trees or anything, you know, I just didn't understand it. And it occurred to me that while I'm not exactly sure how old some of the trees were that were there, it was in that moment that I understood that that they had seen things because it was right where, it was at this port. These were massively large trees. And I was, and, and someone said that they were like, I don't know what they said it about. I don't know. It just, it was one of those things I finally thought and I said, they've seen things. They've been here longer, you know, than this, you know, the stories we tell or whatever. They literally, some of the, some of them, like I said, I don't know how old they were, but they were, they were large trees in the places that we were. And they have been witnesses to certain things. They have been witnesses to certain things that our ancestors had gone through. It was a, it's a port where everybody comes through. You know, it's like, if you're coming in and you're coming in or whatever, you came through here kind of thing. Um, and it just, it became a different thing for me. And I understood, you know, just in a different kind of way. It's so, it's as simple to me, even as like I'm looking out of my window and I see a tree that has been here. It's been there since we moved here to our home 20 or so years ago. And I have pictures with my little ones when they were little by that tree. That tree has witnessed my children grow up. And because it was there before then, it also witnessed other things before then, but it's been here. And, and that, was how I began to in any way understand in fact when people say this you know the tree is is old sibling or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Often our oldest and older siblings remember things that mm -hmm. the younger mm -hmm. do not. 
because oh I was just two but you were I think you said you were the youngest were you the youngest you said and so I think you mentioned that before that your older siblings um were connected to things in, in a different way than you because you arrived in Canada at two versus when they arrived um and that's just very meaningful to see it in that way. And when I did, it was really, it, it was really something. Um, my kids, they always say, oh, mom's out there talking to the trees again. And this was before, you know, she's talking to that, whatever. Or, and I homeschooled my kids um, for, for 13 years. So we would go out and it was like, the trees are budding, we must go, you know, whatever. And they're like, when they're little, they're like, Okay, you know, let's go. But then as you get older, they're like, why are you doing, you know, why do you do that? And I didn't know. It just seemed appropriate. But it wasn't, at, I, I didn't really have a philosophy about <clears throat> why I felt this thing or why I didn't feel that thing um, about trees and the plants that were there. And um, I just remember, even for my perennials, like plants that I had planted that would come back and just grace me with all of their everything, I just always felt very, um, I, I think someone did something, someone just did something, and I would always, my kids actually, I'd be like, I can't believe you did that. It would just be something, I don't, I don't know what it was. Uh, maybe someone was out there and they were doing something and they were just haphazard with the plants that I've planted over 20 years in our yard, the trees, the shrubs. And I'm like, I can't believe you did that. Maybe it was a rough pruning or pruning at the wrong time. And that's not even knowing that I knew what pruning at the right time was. I just knew that when I came out, it just felt like they had just been violated. And I was like, this wasn't the time to do that. This wasn't the time. It wasn't, you know, and they're like, what? So I, I just I just wanted to say that because I think a lot of times in modern society, when we talk, whether we're talking about something like climate change or any of these modern ways of thinking about things, um, when I was coming up, they would say, oh, you're a tree hugger if, if a person was thinking about the environment. You're know that's one of the tree huggers. Um, or and I just didn't have a context for any of that. You teach classes, right? Yes. How do you so bring I, you say what? Oh, I said I used to a lot more before my daughter. Yes. How do you do you do people ever come in just curious about it? Are they already when they get to you pretty convinced? this is what they want to learn or do you ever have to open up this world of plant med plant medicine to them um i mean i i think that there were a couple people that were on the fence um but i i believe that for the most part that the people that come to me are, are already open um and i think it's because for me anyway when whenever I try to advertise or, or write about my classes, I am always emphasizing the, the poetry and the, <laughs> and, and the aspect of spirit. Um, yeah. Just so I'm, I'm very clear, I try to be very clear that 
this is what you're getting. And so there were a couple of people that were like, hmm, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm willing to see. Um, but for the most part, people do know what, what they're going to experience. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, I think when I was first asking you, you know that most of, most of the people that are I'm having conversations with on here are like birth workers or doing something, you know, really big in birth. Um, you said, well, I don't do that necessarily. A friend of uh, one sister, she said, I consider myself to be birth adjacent. There are things that I know and I that are adjacent, that yeah. are adjacent to um, or useful um, to the woman, the, the person that would um, be concerned about their, their womb health or their pregnancy or anything like that. Mm -hmm. What, in what ways have you, whether yourself used plant medicine, um, around this whole area of the womb and reproduction or anything like that, or helped others do that? Mm, so, I, I, that's a nice term that your friend <laughs> used about birth adjacent because for the most part, I, I feel like that's where I've been. Um, I have done a lot of work with people around their sacred sexuality and just even being in, in preparation of fertility and and healing the womb space. Um, so that I feel like that's where I've done most of the work the people that come to, or the women, I would say, I mean, 95% of the people I've seen have been women um, that were coming to me with some sort of sexual trauma, which is really interesting because it's not that I, I put that out there, I, I don't think, but, you know, whoever comes to you ends up coming to you, right? Um, so I have done a lot of plant medicine work in terms of um using the plant medicines to get people to trust their body and and to be in the in the body um because i feel like that's even just before you can even approach having a, a child you have to be in in yourself in in some sort of percentage and i feel that a lot of people dislocate a lot because even if they haven't experienced trauma there's a lot of things, little things throughout their life that that makes it hard to want to be present and want to be here. And and in a way, they're all very little traumas as well, right? There's just things that keep piling on your experiences and it makes it hard for you to really understand what depth of presence is to yourself first. And I remember, especially going through my experience as a mother, I only have one child, but I remember when I was pregnant and being pregnant, like if you've never been in your body, that's when you're really in your body, right? Yeah. <laughs> you are, you are in it, you are in it and you cannot get out. But I was, so I was going through a lot of, um, I was going through a lot of motions of anger, of fear, of, um, sorrow feeling like all of the the grandmothers you know that have ever experienced any sort of pain like just feeling yeah. that in my body and i feel that in a way um it was an extension like 
being pregnant was an extension of the work I ha had already started with that. Um, because for me, I've always struggled. And, and I believe that, I guess, whatever you struggle most with is going to be your healing, <laughs> your greatest healing offering, right? So for me, I've always, always struggled with being in my body. Um, and I believe this is something that a lot of African people, um, of course, go through because of the just the, the myriad of, of things that have happened through history um, and that still continue today, right? And in terms of all of the dialogue we get about us being wrong in some way, right? There's yeah. something wrong with us. And so being in my body, it just like, it was, you know, I've experienced... Um, chronic malnutrition, chronic fatigue, mm -hmm. um, dangerously low iron levels and anemia. Um, I had rickets when I was a kid. Like it was just like the, the things that my body had gone through um, and then trying to awaken in my own sexual being as, as a woman growing up it just, it's like, you can't, like, if I can't even feed myself, how am I going to feel my own sexual power, right? Wow. So it was this deep learning that the plant medicines had to first say, okay, let's teach you how to nourish yourself, right? Wow. Food, <laughs> you know, baby steps. So it was like going through this sort of, like, you have to, have to, have to value your body. You have to value your body. And the plants worked in such a way because they're physical right there mm -hmm. you can ground into them you can feel their physical effects um so they helped me be in that space where then i started to understand my own sexuality um and then i was able to actually help some people through their sexuality um understanding what that is or, or doing the healing for whatever trauma they have gone through in preparation for the birth um, or in preparation for conception, right? Mm -hmm. Whether that was on their radar in the moment or in the future, it doesn't matter. Um, but I feel that you really need to, to understand how to be in your body and, and really work in that space. Um, and then the other way too is um, things like, you know, beautiful yoni steaming, um, that's so nice. And um, we have a beautiful practice um, from Sudan in particular called Hofra. Okay. And Hofra is whole in, in Arabic, or, or you can call it Dukhan, which is smoke. And what that is, it's actually, um, it's similar to a, a yoni steam, but it's actually a whole body smoke. So you wow. have like, a, you dig a hole in the ground and then you're going to be a, a little bit elevated because you're going to put the plant medicines in the hole and then actually light them on fire. So it's a little more intense than just steam because yeah. the steam is mitigated by the water, right? But yeah. with um, with Hofra, it's, it's by the fire. And then you sit on top and you, you cover your, your, um, your body in like a wool blanket up into your neck. So then you're doing this beautiful sort of cycling and you get like all the cleansing of your lymphatics wow. of course you get it in your yoni um it's really amazing for muscles and for your your joints and like just everything it's so beautiful and um this is a practice that can be done while you're menstruating it can be done um 
while you are pregnant just you won't stay in the in the smoke as long mm-hmm. um, but you can do it while you're pregnant um, just to, to ease the body and relaxation um, you can and then the, the best way I found was postpartum and that's where it helped me so much to just balance my hormones out um, and just sort of I just got this beautiful deep cleanse um, doing wow. that postpartum yeah so and I, I did this in Egypt. I, I was in Egypt and I had a beautiful opportunity to experience this medicine. Um, and of course, the, the medicines they use are not available here. But um, I do have an understanding, right, of, of the medicines that I feel would be equivalents in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so then you would just look at things like. Oh. Did I leave you? Oh. Okay. Yeah, there you are. I, I I was I was like, what happened? Okay, it did pause for a minute, but keep going. You were saying a little bit, so I don't know. It did. This, Am I frozen now? This is okay. I'm just gonna assume it's. Um, but your, your screen got frozen a little bit. Can okay. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you now. Um. So okay. Yeah, just like you were. Medicine. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, like, medicines, for example, like sage. Um, we have a beautiful desert sage in, in Egypt, and um, you can, I mean, sage is so perfect for the moving the waters in your body, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, using astringents like birch and willow, um, you know, like mugwort, calendula, rose, like, you can just... It's so lovely because you have the practice, but you can still use the medicines from from where you come from or where you're living. I mean, where you're living um, and able to aid you. So, yeah, for me, the the best way is for postpartum because it's just that's when all your hormones are are everywhere, especially when, you know, you're you just gave birth. Yes. You're you're coming into the flow of breastfeeding if that's what you choose, you know everything your your body for nine months has been you know going through so many ups and downs right yeah um and it just helps so much for balancing so yeah that that's that's a very special practice and i love postpartum i i know some it's like more and more i talk to women who are for lack of better words, falling in love with this postpartum time as a part of our service and what we do um, mm-hmm. to help women, um, and specifically with the challenges that Black women are facing, detached from so many practices. And I love that one because you said you can, you know, you talked about all the different ways that it helps and what it does. That is beautiful. That is really, I love that. I love that. What is it called? Oh, oh. Yeah, so it's it goes by two words, either Hofra. Hofra, that's what it's called. Yeah, H-O-F-R-A or Duchan. Duchan. And um, yeah, so you'll, and, and the thing is, so this is another aspect to how like things change over time, but primarily this practice is, is used when women are either entering marriage or or postpartum right but so in sudan they use like um these aromatic woods like sandalwood and things like that and 
it's supposed it's it is a form of pampering and for yeah. beautifying and for tightening the yoni in preparation of your sexual experience with your husband and you know <laughs> things like that um but there has been such a taboo against women using it who are not in that space yeah so, yeah but i i'm trying so hard to 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 change that because this is such a healing practice and it, it does not need to stay within the parameters and like and because because of the aromatic woods traditionally used like people will smell you from <laughs> miles away right like they'll just know like it's beautiful it's like a beautiful incense that's what you come out smelling like right um, so people would know, and then of course, if you're single or whatever, they then they start looking down upon you, right? But there are the, to use it medicinally has is used as well, but it's just at a, a lesser scale. Mm -hmm. And I'm wanting people to understand that actually that that's what we should be, um, you know, using it for because the the healing effects it just it's so beautiful. Like when when you're in that heat. And your body just opens up all of its pores and, and all of your capillary veins and every, like it just opens and allows the medicine to enter you. You know, that's when we need to use it. And so I'm hoping that more people catch on. <laughs> it, I love that you make the comparison even, um, or when you described it, you talked about it's using for birth, I mean, for marriage or then postpartum. Um, because there is that connection between, you know, how there should be, I'll say it that way. There should be that connection between how we, you know, pamper a bride and how we pamper a new mother, you know, and, and you know, and do all those things. Um, the other thing is, that in some cultures, um, well, for many, and especially for those specifically when I talk about the United States that have the same, that ancestry that um, they are not still connected to, almost all of them have a form of something that looks like, you know, that looks like that. You know, a form of some type of ritual around um, whether it's birth, whether it's marriage or postpartum. Mm -hmm. I think it's when people try to commercialize things that it makes it where people get very protected. And I get it, you know? Mm -hmm. So now if I can just, I offer Hofra, you know, I, I do this, come and get your, you know, mm -hmm. um, now it's um, the feeling of appropriation for this and that and the other. But I also feel that there is something where if we could just like honoring the honoring what that means. Like if you're saying, look, you can smell her a mile away, you know, um, oh, that's like she's getting married or whatever, or oh she whatever. If we could if there's a way to honor it as medicine, as you said. Um, if there's a way to do that. And also the benefits of it. Like when you, you know, was this something else 
you mentioned sage before. That wasn't when you said sage. Sage was the other thing. I did mention mention that sage could be used. Yeah, I did mention that. Okay. One of the medicines. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, okay. Make the connection, a better connection for me. Mm -hmm. Because you were mentioning before. Dealing with your own personal sexuality, fertility, preconception stuff, all of that. How do you, and, and, and trauma and dealing with that, how do you, like, what is, how does, how do plants affect that? Now, I got the part where you said that just learning how to take care of yourself, that that was part of it. But could you also just make additional connection for me? how all of that works in plant medicine. Okay. <laughs> Let me see how to organize this. Um, I, I think the first thing I would say is working, at least for me, I find it most effective to somehow make plant medicine part of my daily life. Like it has to be part of your life it's not just something you do when you feel low or you need some extra support like it it should be um, like traditionally for example you know you would make food but then plant medicine will be incorporated for example in the food that you make yes um, or throughout your day as beverages and various teas and things as a as a form of maintenance you know just in general it wasn't just this thing where you you sought help when you were in a crisis um so i i think hmm. for me that's that's sort of where i i began where i had to understand that it was actually a way of life and then and then going out onto the land and actually learning about growing a garden or learning about foraging Mm -hmm. medicines that were growing um around as well i found that those were all sort of things that helped me ground into it um i i think i don't know if i'm answering your question what i'm getting is that it's more of a reconnection it, you said you made a statement that i'm gonna butcher but <laughs> you said you know not going to it when we need like a solution or a fix to something which is how we treat modern pharmaceuticals mm -hmm. so there are a lot of people that might want to switch out um this is what this is how i'm piecing it together that in my in my thoughts and words there are some people that might want to approach plant medicine as they would pharmaceuticals and or synthetics or whatever mm -hmm. um whereas a relationship and really connecting to plant medicine is more holistic and it, it's more of a way of being of living it's 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 recognizing um that it is rec is recognizing how do i say this i don't, don't want to make it sound just bland like how important plants are to us it's not that but just recognizing the relationship that we can have continually all the time with plants. 
that can help us, you know, heal and do and allow them to speak. Um, yes, yes. That's what I hear you saying. Yes, that's you said. <laughs> you said what I'm what I was trying to say. Yes, that it, it has to be. I like. I feel that um, we people often compartmentalize things, right? Yes. And you know, for example, even when people have gardens, they're usually just for show. You know, they're they're looking at the beautiful flowers without understanding that maybe there are ways they can actually help you in your healing, right? Or they're looking at um, food is one thing, and then plants are one thing, and then, you know, my emotions, I might go to a psychiatrist or psychologist for one thing, and and, and that's okay. I'm not trying to put any shame on people that, that need to do that, but what I'm saying is I think we're so used to compartmentalizing things yeah. that we separate. So we fracture our, our understanding of the world. And for me, working with the plant sort of brought things back together because they weren't, they're not now just the source of nourishment, but they're a place where I can honor my grief. They're a place where mm-hmm. I can dream. They're a place where, I can hear my ancestors, you know, they're a place where I can use them to, to better understand who I am and to better feel my body. So they're, it's very, it's a very multidimensional experience for me that I feel it would be a great disservice to say, oh, I'm not feeling well. So today I'm going to use a plant and the rest of my days I'm not even going to think about them you know because I also find that they work they it it really is much like building a relationship and I feel that you have to earn relationships you know you, you don't just go to a plant and say what are you good for you know you, you don't do that to people that you just meet right so why would you do that to a plant you have to to come to it and I find that there's a, such a beautiful way that their energy starts to imprint yeah. on your being. And I find that um, now I'm in a place where, where when I use plant medicines, they tend to work really quickly on me. Whereas when I was first starting out, they were a little bit slower. But I think it's because when you have the, the imprint, it, it's almost like a memory. It becomes a memory in your body. So you revisit that plant and it almost is sort of, reignites what it already has started for you and and it just continues to support you throughout or that's that's at least my experience that is so phenomenal like what's um i'm the whole time i'm just visualizing as you speak things so the first thing i thought about you were talking and i was thinking um you were mentioning the different ways people um, compartmentalize and how something as simple as oh, some cotton flowers and we'll cut the flowers and we'll put them in and if they're very they might just they might just have them because they're visually beautiful mm-hmm. or they might love the smell of this particular type of flowers it, it does something 
you know, in them. And I was just thinking, wow, we only touched the tip of the iceberg, you know, in that regard about what is actually happening. And then you said, you talked about the memory in the body. And that speaks to me of like relationship. And then I started thinking, <laughs> well, if we think about the ancestors and this was their medicine, you know, they didn't, you know, I'm gonna pop a Tylenol and ibuprofen. Okay, well, I'll drink some chamomile, maybe it'll relax, you know, and I'm just going. But if you think about it, I just keep thinking of like the imprint thing. Um, those things that happen when we are accustomed to someone, when we are comfortable with someone, when it's easy now. Um, I, I know my way, or if, if you're in a forest, it's like, I know my way because um, when you first start, you, you're like whacking me, you know, I got to cut this tree down and it's smacking me in the face. And, but then a path. It's a, it's a, it's just a path where I can kind of see. And then over time, the the ground starts wearing away. When I was um, younger, in my grandmother's house up the hill was her sister, and we rather than go on the, the dirt road to get to her, we would go through the path because it was you just climb up past the trees. When and at certain times, because we were only there during the summers, certain times the path was very easy to see. But then as people stopped using it, you know, kids get older, they stop wanting to go through the, you know, whatever. Then you couldn't see the path anymore. And I think that perhaps that is some of what um, we don't realize as well when we think about plant medicine, that um, there's a relationship that perhaps we need to work on developing where our bodies you know, it's like, yes, this, we, yes, there's a memory. I remember this. And when, 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 when this enters my body, um, or when this, you know, when I enter this body, this is, this, you know, it's, it's not hitting a bunch of other things. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, just considering that that's a beautiful thought for me in my mind, in my mind, I'm like, you know, wow. There are all these memories that we could, you know, that when it comes to us dealing with medicine, that we, that with medicine and, and, and modern pharmaceuticals do not require that. And I think that when people are like, oh, it didn't work for me, you know, it didn't work because modern pharmaceuticals are made, you know, generally speaking, some you have to wait. But many of them, it's you take it, give it this much time, it's going to work. Mm-hmm. And what I hear you t- describing is something that really requires us as core of who we are to step back and to reestablish relationships. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. I have just loved this to bits and pieces. I just, mm-hmm. it's so, you're, you, you, you um, elicit a very thoughtful spirit, you know. Thank you. Uh, and that and and that's meaningful to me. Um, 
because I, I can feel and I can share, I can feel the connections. I feel the 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 ah. ah. I was even thinking about like when I was saying the the, the scent of the plants um, in a in a room. Fresh cut flowers, you know, everyone loves fresh cut. Well, I don't, but you know, people talk about those that. And I was even thinking, you know, when people make the different, when people have the different scented oils and the different extracts and all of these different things. And how even with all of that, you can see how it's commercialized and you have this company that's about that and this one that does that. And that's fine because I know that people, you know, and um, and and make a living at it, but when I put it back in context, and I put it back, and I start thinking about what that looks like, I start thinking about the relationship. You know, even like what you said earlier, what resonates? Like some things might resonate more with us than other things do. There's just so much to think about. Oh, okay, okay. I'm going to go. What would you say? Because I'm in a thoughtful place. So I'm like, oh, I love it. I can just sit here like, you know, and then, and then, you know, so I'm in a thoughtful place right now, um, which I love because when it means that this is a growth opportunity for me to consider, you know, like in a very real way. I love that. Um, what would you say to diasporic Africans who are looking for ways to reconnect to the plant medicine of whether it's their ancestors on the continent or even their ancestors here? Because we did, you know. <laughs> you know, um, I see that when you when you talk about you've been invited into some ceremonies with the indigenous people there and the honor and the privilege that that is. And knowing that um, most of our African ancestors that were here during enslavement, they did, um, like anyone else would do, intermingle um, with different cultures. So the native people who were here and knew certain medicines, there were certain things that they or like we're not in Africa anymore. So the equivalent, which you actually expressed, the equivalent of that could be this, because I understand the properties of this. Oh, I could use this instead. And so I know that that's a thing. What would you say to those who really want to reconnect in that way, that are diasporic Africans, that are, I mean, first of all, um, if we don't know anything, like many of us, maybe now we've done a, a, a ancestry something DNA, and so we're excited because they tell us well, this percent this, but we don't still know. Like, okay, you might be Nigerian, but what are you? Yeah, what does that mean? Yoruba, Igbo, what? You know, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. um, those who are trying to reconnect as clear of a roadmap as you might have. Would you have any advice or thoughts for them? Hmm. I would say that 
at least from my experience, that ancestral work is mostly about listening to your intuition and your dreams and that you have to have a lot of faith and trust and also come to a place where you're going to feel ready to work through some really, really hard traumas and wounds. <sighs> and with, with the plant medicines, I feel like all it takes is, and, and I mean, the most profound thing I, I received is when, again, coming back to relationship, um, even just understanding about the growth cycles of a plant before you even interact with it internally, understanding about how it grows, how it, it changes from a bud to a seedling to a full-blown plant, what it looks like as it passes. I feel like when you're in a space of receiving in that way, then it connects you to the greater understanding of life and death in general. And it's such a beautiful entryway into your ancestors. Hmm. because they're connected to the flow of the earth right now we're we're standing on their bones hmm. we're standing we're standing on their flesh their hair everything it's in the earth right because that's where they're buried and hmm. i just feel like the ancestor is listening to listening to the the medicine of the plants right it's listening it's it's oh, wow. brings us into the world of the ancestors wow. because then we, we build a relationship and understanding of life and death and, mm. and I, I feel like yeah that that would be where you begin and then you start connecting even deeper to very i mean there's going to be so many different stories right everybody's story is different but i feel like if you cultivate a practice of deep listening then the stories will come mm. and then from there you start to have like a compass on where you need to go and and what kind of healing needs to arise because it's not so easy to just say okay i'm going to pray for a dream and it'll show up right sometimes especially through the history of colonialism and how we've been, you know, um, made to feel degraded and, and made to feel less than for following a path that is not, um, you know, quote unquote, scientifically, you know, sound. Um, you have to get over the hurdles too of, of, feeling, of feeling like you're doing something wrong to begin ah. with right so you have to even just begin with those wounds of can i even trust myself and is that even okay to do right and of course i'm gonna say yes but you have to come to that answer on your own and then you start to understand the interconnectedness of things right your ancestors just because you're not on their land doesn't mean you can't speak to them i guess that's what i'm trying to say is there and it's so beautiful too because we can even then start drawing in in aspects of how the plants work with water right and how the water works in our body because the water yeah. is cycled all over the world right 
Yes. And, and it comes and it feeds the plants. And then you're, you're working with the plants on this land, even though your ancestors were on that land, but the water has traveled. Yeah. Right? And, and in some cases, sometimes the seeds have traveled. Yes. And so you're, you're here working on this land, but you're still very much connected to them. Oh. So you need to listen. You, you sit down and you listen. And then you pray for, for whatever it is that you start to feel the resistance from, right? If, if you even need help to hear to begin with, you can even pray to say, please help me hear. And then things will show up for you and it'll show you why you're not able to hear. And, and what is stopping you or what makes you afraid to hear. And then you sort of just go little bit by little bit. Um, and then if you're blessed enough, which I believe we all are, you might actually start having physical representations of people from your ancestry come forward and help you as well. You know, but it, it all it's, it's all about this divine flow of timing and energy. Or you might find a teacher much like I did who was not of my lineage. Um, but who came to help me see things about myself. And as long as you stay open and, and you, you listen, listen to the plants, right? They're, they heal you even if you don't drink them or, <laughs> you know, you, you don't have to even do anything other than sit with them and they will be there to, to help guide you in some way. Oh my gosh. I said, wow. I just, I oh my goodness. <laughs> I have made so many connections just listening to you. I I'm ab I'm actually just It's very, I, it, I'll say it this way, when I ask a question, I always know that the people around me, many of them say why are you even asking why does it matter? You know, that's where they usually are doesn't matter doesn't matter but those questions are the ones that you've given me insight into and I want to thank you it's it's so I can't oh my goodness okay so many connections so many so much understanding that has come with our conversation where it's not even I think of it's like, oh no, I get that. It. I think you might have mentioned earlier, like you have pieces of things, and then parts start falling into place, or you almost have this, but they're like little parts missing. And for example, when you talked about the plant, and then the water, I think like that. I think you know, I'm, you know, scientifically minded kind of person, and I'm like. And then I think about, you know, energy can either be created or destroyed. So it goes, you know, and I start thinking and I start thinking. And then I think about our ancestors that brought some seeds with them when they came over. You know, and the the, the medicine that was and how then they planted that in the ground and it bore fruit. You know, and I had just never thought before, wow, that that was connection. Because like you said, you know, whether it's that they're buried in the ground and then the plants, just all those connections. Okay. Would you please tell the people 
<laughs> how they can connect with you if they would like to connect with you i i don't know how much this popping i, I have this has never happened I, every time <laughs> there's something that has never happened and mm-hmm. my hope is that it won't distort our conversation any because this has just been absolutely amazing um and and it it's like I, the best the, the thing that comes to my mind is like um to my heart is like spirit food so for me that's what it was it's, it was spirit food um that I needed and that has provided a lot of insight for me but how can they get in touch with you ah if they just yeah um so I have a website called dreamingroots.com. Right now it's still under construction, but you can pop in your email and be on the newsletter. Um, Or you can find me on Instagram at ladyofthegreen. And there is underscores between the words. Um, But I think, do you have like something? Can we write it? You it know, will all else. it'll all be written it'll be on, it'll be on the blog. It'll be um at drdula.com when they go to birth her story. Um it'll all be listed under there. But I also know that there's some that are listen um via the podcast and they might not be on the page at the time or they might be on YouTube and not be there at the time. And so I always ask people to say it as well. Um, but it'll definitely be written and and they'll be able to access it. Okay, so I'll I'll then then I will um, <laughs> I will explain. So it's at lady underscore of underscore the <laughs> underscore green. And then I have a, a Facebook page um, that is Isenfareg Dreaming Roots Indigenous Plant Medicine Ceremony and Rites. So uh, those are the ways you can reach me. Do you yourself um, um, initiate people in anything or do ceremonial types of things with people in that way? Yes, I do. So I actually perform life and death rites. Um, and those, are, those, those aren't just for dying people. Um, you can have death rites actually as you're transitioning from one phase of your life to another. So Wow. I do assist. Um, I do assist the passing as well, but for for living for us living folks who are transitioning life and death rites, um, and I do tobacco ceremony, and um, and I also do like mentorships. So if people want to learn Oof. more about their ancestry or more about plant medicine. I do a, a more of an in-depth mentorship where it's just you or maybe you and a very small group. Like it's very intimate. Um, do they need to be in Canada for that or do you do that virtually at all? Oh, um, actually most of the work I've been doing has been virtual. Um, so it's easy, like we, we can talk and, and exchange that way and and do whatever you know distance healings and things like that um over over a virtual space and um and on occasion i do intuitive readings as well i just things have been shifting a lot because um, my daughter is still very young so i haven't been um 
as active, but I am starting to pick up my practice again. So um, if there's, you know, if you want to do something, for example, the life and death rights in tobacco ceremonies can't really be done virtually, but if you want something that is healing, um, we could do distance healing or we can do an intuitive reading and that can be helpful or the mentorship, like I, I mentioned. So. <laughs> I just want to thank you again for spending time with me and um, being willing to talk with me about all of these different aspects of plant medicine. For those who would like to get in touch with Ison, please look for her information. She's given it already, but look for it below on drdula.com. While you're there, take a look around for the other things that are offered um, through my website. Um, but definitely connect, um, follow her. You will never regret a post that you see from her. <laughs> it's always insightful. And so thank you so much. I really appreciate our time um, together. And I'm actually just looking forward to connecting again at another time. <laughs> yes, I would love to. Thank you so much. I feel really very blessed that you asked me to speak with you so it, it opens me up in so many ways and i'm very appreciative so thank you thank you all right you all until next time bye, -bye. <laughs>